You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hey, it's Friday. For some reason, this week has seemed rather long, so I think I'm even happier than normal to see Friday roll around. Hey, welcome in. It's Big Noon Sports. Lars, Matt, Justin Jones is our producer and our presenter. This show is presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Yesterday after the show, Lars and I went and met our friend Kip Tyner, Tuscaloosa City Council President. He was on the show yesterday. We talked to him. But uh, we met to discuss several other things, and mainly because Kip and I have known each other for almost 50 years, we just reunited and had a big time talking about radio and TV days. But as uh, we broke up, everybody had something to do. We were walking out in the parking lot. I thought Lars Anderson had turned into a ghost. His face was so white, and he said, oh, they just carted Joe Burrow off the practice field. And, you know, you, you get distraught when you hear news like this. I really thought Lars had gone suicidal. <laughs> I mean, you were, you were physically and mentally taken. And that's, yeah. I now know, uh, I guess I've always known that you love the Bengals. I mean, the Ken Anderson stories and all that kind of stuff is just great. But I really didn't know how much you loved the Bengals until I saw you looking at an 18-wheeler and thinking about jumping in front of it. <laughs> well, talk about going from the ultimate high to the ultimate low. Like, I had just learned that my idol, Ken Anderson, who, you know, I told the story many times, my dad tricked me into believing that Ken was my uncle and I believe that for many, many years. He's a long time. He was a longtime quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, four-time NFL passing champion, uh, two-time NFL MVP, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, he has just sort of surpassed a big hurdle, and in the seniors committee, he is one of twelve finalists this year, and he was a, he was one of twelve last year, and he's only uh, one of five who were finalists last year and finalists this year, and they they pick three, so the odds are really good that Ken Anderson is finally going to make it into the Hall of Fame next year, and we're going to find that out on August twenty second, and so uh, you know I've told friends and family that I am going to Canton, Ohio. I've even told Ken this. Uh, Ken and I have become friends in a weird weird way. Uh, I told Ken that I would be there for his induction when it happens and I would do everything in my power to lobby for it and I, I talk about it all the time. I've written about it and so I'm on, I'm on cloud nine thinking hey this is a great day. Ken Anderson has got a clear path to the Hall of Fame and then I get the news that Joe Burrow was carted off the practice field and not only that, it was a non-contact injury. And right when you look at the video, the first thing I thought was, oh my God, he tore his Achilles because he, he went down, uh, he, just, he, he started hopping uh, right away and then he went down clutching his right leg. Now, I've torn my Achilles in my left leg and I do know that once you tear it, 
And this happens with professional athletes and just guys like me who tear at playing pickup basketball. You go down right away, you don't hop. And you also clutch your the bottom of your Achilles. Like 99% of the people, you, you clutch the bottom because the, the Achilles, it like it once it snaps, it, it rolls up. But the most pain is right where you know the tendon is at its uh, strongest. And then you feel like, ah, that tendon's not there anymore. And I did see the video right away, and, and Joe is clearly clutching his calf. But for a good bit of time, it, it looked like his season could be done. Another one of these non-contact injuries that we've talked a lot about um, the last few days. But uh, it got good news. It's a calf strain. And uh, Joe was able to, you know, go through all the meetings after practice yesterday. He left the building when everybody else did at 7.45 p.m. And uh, the Bengals tweeted out sort of a, a funny little thing saying, hey, I, we know that, you know, everybody's offering their calf muscles to Joe. It doesn't work that way. Joe's going to be just fine. And uh, it, it looks like he may be out for, I don't know, out of, they'll, they'll be extraordinarily cautious, um, but probably two to three weeks. And they weren't going to play him in the preseason anyway. Um, but, you know, last year, uh, Burrow missed the entire preseason because he had appendicitis. Uh, and he lost a ton of weight. He didn't get any reps. He really didn't play any any he didn't have any meaningful reps until game one against the Steelers. He ended up throwing five interceptions. And Cincinnati gets off to a, a terrible start. I think it was either 0-2 or 0-3, but then they rallied. So it looks again that Burrow won't have a full training camp. And on top of that, Joe is about ready to sign the most lucrative contract in NFL history. And if he tears that Achilles, uh, I, I, I still think they would they would move forward with that. But if you tear the Achilles, he's done for the year. Um, but that that wasn't the case, and so uh, it was actually it was good news on that front, as good as possible. And he was wearing a uh, uh, like a, a wrap on on his uh, yeah, on his right leg, sleeve. yeah, calf sleeve, because he had tweaked it in uh, day one of training camp because it was just so incredibly hot and a lot of guys were uh, just very sore after the first full day of camp. So anyway, uh, talk about going from a high to a low to thinking that the Cincinnati season is over two days into training camp and uh, Trevor Simeon was going to be the quarterback uh, out of Northwestern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Trevor Simeon or a guy named Jake Browning, who Alabama absolutely punished in, uh, in, a, in a game in, uh, in Atlanta, he, a Washington quarterback several years ago. Um, but no, so Joe uh, is going to be all right. I even sent a text to his dad and uh, just wishing him, wishing Joe a speedy recovery. I'm a little too close to this, I think. His dad, uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, disaster averted, Matt, and went on and I, I got up and, you know, checked uh, checked everything on social media this morning and Joe is, is, is gonna be just fine, so. Well, um, uh, yeah. you said that, this and I agree that um, one of the people we both trust a lot in the NFL is Adam Schefter. And he is reporting that it doesn't seem as if he will see any 
he won't miss any significant time. Yeah. And uh, he'll be back on the field. At, I don't know, three weeks. He could be back next week. Yeah. So uh, I think it's, it's going to be a day-to-day. It's just so hard to watch a guy, and he was just, he wasn't even sprinting. He was, was just, just kind of jogging. Jogging just to his right. Jogging yeah. out of it. And, and then suddenly he just, he pulls up, but he didn't immediately fall. He didn't wither in pain. And no. that made me feel a lot better, and I'm sure it did you too. Yeah. So. On the it other is excruciating. Side, uh, it is. It is. It's the most pain. Tearing my Achilles was the most, by far, the most painful injury, and by far the most difficult injury to rehab. And that's why I, I didn't think that Joe had torn his Achilles. But y- you never know when it's a lower leg injury, and he's already got the uh, the compression sock on. Um, and it, it just. You know, we've talked about this, how Kobe Bryant, after tearing his Achilles, that guy got back on the court and shot two free throws and made them. I mean, I I cannot tell you how impressive that is to me. That is really one of the more impressive athletic feats I have ever witnessed because just uh, one, the amount of pain he was in, and two, to have the composure to go back out uh, onto the court and hit two free throws. I mean, to me, that is almost like the most impressive thing that Kobe Bryant ever did on a basketball court. But, um, but yeah, for for Cincinnati, uh, you just hope you, you you just hope that serious injuries don't happen in preseason. And we saw yesterday too, Jalen Ramsey, you know, high price free agent corner that signed with uh, Miami and and Miami Dolphins. They are certainly with Tua, and they are all in this year. And uh, they have uh, they brought in a, a lot of uh, a lot of key pieces, both on offense and defense. And Jalen Ramsey was one of them. And he uh, apparently tore his men- meniscus, going to require surgery. Doesn't look like he tore his ACL, but still, uh, he's going to miss probably the first two months of the season. Uh, may not be back until December. And that's just a, a, a tough blow, uh, and it's almost like you're, as 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 a fan, and I'm sure as coaches, you're holding your breath every practice. But as as coach as a player, you can't do that. You got to go out and, and play. But I know after Joe went down, it was just first of all there was audible gasps from uh, the players, and then it was just dead silent, just dead silent because they knew what was at stake if. Uh, if, if he was seriously hurt, but uh, serious injury was avoided, and uh, yeah, the sun did come up, so that's good. Meanwhile, Justin Herbert signed a five-year, $262 million contract, and for a day or two, he is the highest-paid player. That won't last. As Lars mentioned, Burrow will be signed for the Bengals here before terribly long. There's another quarterback in the news. His last name is Tunga Viola, but it's not Tua. And I'm a little miffed by this guy and a statement he made. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break as you listen to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Morgan. Summertime. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sizzling hot afternoon, just a small chance of any one spot getting a shower or storm through the evening hours. The high today, 97, the low tonight, 74. Tomorrow, partially sunny with scattered showers or thunderstorms by afternoon. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 95 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, the gang is all here on a Friday. Our good friend of the show and a man who just dedicated his entire life to the game of football. He started coaching, I think, when he was nine. Anyway... Tuffy Crow is always a hoot. He will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Now, they are having media days, other conference media days, all over the place. And that includes the ACC. And I read with great interest this morning uh, about the Maryland's quarterback, who, by the way, Lars, in his two years since he left Alabama, 21 and 22, he is, and I would say, kind of under the radar. He's thrown for 6,686 yards. Now, that's two years. He's thrown for 44 touchdowns and nine, just 19 interceptions. So that ratio is good. His yardage is good. And he's coming into a season where Loxley thinks that he's just going to have a tremendous season. But it was revealed, and Tilly was the one that said it, that an SEC school offered him one and a half million dollars to transfer to their school. Yeah. My initial reaction is really? Uh, but my real reaction in, in situations like this, I don't like it when somebody indicts a group when it's an individual. And by saying what he said, he pointed a finger at 14 teams. Well, if you're going to say something like that, please tell us who it is. Um, otherwise, you've indicted Nick Saban. You've indicted Jimbo Fisher. Wink, wink. And I don't think that's right. Uh, your reaction to that, Lars? Well, uh, you know, he's uh, he's a young man. And uh, I, I don't know how the question was framed to him it, it seems like it was in a one-on-one -on -one with the athletic and so I, I, I'm not sure but I do know that Mike Loxley was very concerned that Talia was going to leave the program after the spring game uh, because Loxley knew that there were other programs out there that were offering him just a uh, an enormous amount of money so the, the fact that he was offered money is is not a surprise I mean, and think about it, 1.5 million, that is more money than Kyle Trask is gonna make this year, and he might start for the Bucks. Uh, Davis Mills, he's a, he's a fringe starter. Desmond Ritter might be the starter for Atlanta. Malik Willis might be the starter at some point for the Titans. Uh, Matt Corral, Kellen Mond, Josh Johnson, and several other backups. It's more money than they make. So that just shows you how much college football has changed. Like, you know, players used to get suspended over free gifts. Now, uh, uh, now a, a player can be offered more money than a fringe NFL starter, and people barely take notice of it, except we did. Because the 
implication, or I'm using this word wrong again, the it's almost like he's suggesting it was Alabama, right? I mean, he didn't say it specifically, but who else would it be? And now I'm also wondering, does he regret leaving Alabama? Probably not. Uh, but don't you think Alabama would have reached out to Talia? Don't you think they would have reached out to him? You're not supposed to do that, right? (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, or people, back channels, right? It wouldn't be anybody official. Uh, I I don't know how that works because none of it is in open light, right? It's all all sealed uh, of of who's getting what. And, uh, And that was one of the... Uh, uh, one of the facets of the bill, uh, the, the the Senate bill proposed by uh, Manchin and Tuberville was that everything needs to be sort of, uh, not necessarily the player's name, but, but all of the amounts of sal or all the amount of NIL money that players are receiving has to be revealed in a public fashion. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would make sense that Alabama, uh, uh, that, you know, if uh, if he showed any interest. But I, I, I'm not saying, I, I have no evidence of this at all. And I, I don't even know if it would be cheating or, or not. Um, you know, you just, you hear about player, about uh, coaches poaching players all the time. Um, yeah, but, just and ask I, Trent Dilfer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and we'll get into that more uh, here in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, don't, don't you think if, if Talia was at Alabama, don't you think he'd be the clear-cut starter this year? Absolutely. And, yeah. and I guess if you just start dropping the Tetris pieces here, uh, one would fall in that Alabama might make an overture towards him. Um, but it's my understanding that even in today's chaotic way, uh, you're really not supposed to contact these people and offer them money, you know, uh, even today in the wild, wild west. So I, well, I go back to what my if it's original a, What if it's here. an Alabama, what if it's like an Alabama booster talking to uh, Mr. Tagliavoa, right? Like, um, <laughs> they shouldn't be doing it, in my opinion. Well, you know? I, I agree, but is that regulated at all? I don't oh, think and so. I don't know how you would ever regulate that. You can go through Congress and make all kinds of bills and rules and laws, but uh, a big booster walking up to the uncle of a five-star tackle saying, hey, pretty much uh, make sure your son gets about $2 million a year. I'll, I'll put the money up myself. I own a concrete company. I don't know. Uh, but uh, my original point is I think it shows a certain amount of immaturity when you go ahead and tell somebody that and not identify who did it. You said you thought that it looked like maybe he was, it was an Alabama thing. I immediately it, thought it appeared. Who? I mean, don't you think? I mean, that, that would I, be. I immediately thought Texas A&M. I immediately thought Jimbo Fisher uh, because uh, of their openness to report on how they're paying players income. Yeah. So, um, but when you talk about where he was, who his brother was, uh, who his coach was, and Where his family you look lived. at Alabama's situation <laughs> yeah, at quarterback. I mean, everybody, yeah. everything, all roads lead to Tuscaloosa here. I mean, I, I, again, I have no evidence of it, but it, 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 that would be the most logical 
you know, if you were if you were just to apply logic to what school would go after him, uh, w- would have the most desire to go after him, and also be able to convince him to transfer, it would be Alabama because of his connections here. Right, but I thought Jimbo Fisher because that seems more his way of doing, if you will, business. But, you know, there are a lot of teams uh, in this conference that need quarterback. Could have been Hugh Freeze. But we don't know because he didn't specify, and I don't think that's fair to the other coaches. But that's just Matt's little beef for Friday, and we will go no more. Well, let's let's flip it then. What if he does specify? You know, uh, how does that benefit him? How does saying one did and yeah, not name a coach say hey Alabama or say uh, Auburn offered me one point five million, but I decided not to take it. Then all of a sudden, you know, uh, well then, then everybody's everybody's um, computers and dot coms and radio and televisions just explode because it's the biggest <laughs> story this year. Yeah, can you um, imagine if he'd said that, pointed one out? Yeah. Uh, I, I just, like I said, and it's just one of my pet peeves when people say, well, this team did that and that team did this, and then they never say who. Um, yeah. You know, if that's the only thing that bothers me today, it would be a fantastic ride. <laughs> uh, hey, there's a, another story I want to get into later on is the uh, 911 transcript has been released uh, from the call that was made to uh, emergency personnel uh, in regard to getting an ambulance immediately to uh, USC's practice facility where Bronny James was uh, suffering from cardiac arrest, and it's uh, it's pretty frightening. Wow. Well, next, not frightening, Tuffy Crow, UAB, Birmingham, Stallions, Jacksonville State. He is a football coach's football coach. He'll be with us on the other side of the break as you listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. If you fish the... Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, 
Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 23037. To the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Justin Jones, Max Coulter, Lars Anderson, and our friend Larry Tuffy Crow, Hueytown, Alabama's own. Uh, I joked a minute ago, Tuffy, you've coached since you were nine. Have you ever had, I know you had some high school gigs when you were over there in Gopherville. Um, like, I think you worked at a tire Coach place Moore, and that kind Coach of stuff. Warren the legend. Coach, man, what hey. a tough guy. But anyway, have you ever, other other than those like malt shop type jobs, um, since you've been an adult earning a living, have you ever had a job that wasn't a football coach? Well, between when the USFL folded, uh, I went to work. I was driving a car, courtesy car from Jim McGill at Jim McGill Chevrolet, and there a, a short period of time I went to work for McGill. And, and then, hey, him. how about this one? And then right after the league folded, Mike Collison and I went to work for Leo Wright at Right Way to Quit. We had a, we had a blast now. But I'll other bet than you that, had more f- <laughs> uh, really, other than that, I, I tell people like most coaches do, I don't know if I've ever had a real job. It, it's just fun to get up and go to work. <laughs> Got a Tuffy, in, in, in all your career of coaching, is there one season, one game that that sticks out to you? I can answer. You know what? It's funny that the sometimes the games that stick out the most are the ones where you you get beat. I can remember my second year coach in nineteen seventy seven at Jacksonville State, Jimmy Fuller. Coach Jimmy Fuller's first year as head coach, we got. We played for the national championship in elite and uh, played Lehigh University from Pennsylvania, but played them in Wichita Falls, Texas at the Pioneer Bowl, the championship game. We wake up on game day, it's like 12 degrees in Wichita Falls. We just get drummed 33 to nothing. About to freeze to death on the sideline. I can remember that one because in the fourth quarter, I'm thinking, please, just run the clock. Let us get let us get on that plane home. Goodness. But the probably the, the 2000, 2001 season at UAB, we were so good on defense. But, you know, that we bring this one up all the time. We went down to LSU and beat them on uh, – at homecoming on their on the kick field goal with no time left, beat him. Nick's first year at LSU, he wasn't happy shaking his hand after the game. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, uh, I assume that the conversation. Was, I assume the fans was it was the conversation pretty brief at midfield with the handshake. Pretty, <laughs> it was pretty. <laughs> hey, uh, Lars, we got 
we got on the bus and the fans started rocking the bus and then we oh. turned on the radio and they were they were firing Nick Saban on the spot. What a bad hire. This guy's the worst coach we've ever had. And um, <laughs> we were kind of lucky to get on the buses and on the plane because it was not fun uh, for oh, LSU, certainly. But it was it was the biggest win, I think, in uh, in Blazers football history. Yeah, probably so. And we went on and we beat uh, Mississippi State. Sylvester Groom was at Mississippi State uh, later, I think 2003. It may be in 2004 when we went to Hawaii, though. Um, Woody McCarvey, um, Sylvester, gosh, what he had an unbelievable staff. Just great guys on that staff at Mississippi State, too. But, yeah, those there's definitely some that stick in your mind. I like to relive them every once in a while. Yeah, I, well, I know you do, and I like to sit right there and listen. Uh, Tuffy, uh, how would you survive or how would you operate in the world of recruiting now with uh, NIL and all? I don't know. Well, I tell you what, I am so glad that I retired a couple of years ago. But this, this portal and the NIL, uh, I talked to Rick Trickett, the offensive line coach here at Jack State. They don't, they don't get any time off anymore because you're, you're uh, what most people used to do is you had a camp early June and you'd take three weeks there just to get away and catch your breath, but you can't do it anymore. But there, I don't even know who's going to be on the roster up here at Jack State. You, um, recruiting's tough now. They're doing it every day. I talked to Dabo Swinney not long ago, and he's on the phone every day recruiting as hard as they can go. So, Yeah, it's, and it's it's almost like you have to recruit your own players, too, to uh, convince them to, to, to stick around and not enter the portal. If you were, uh, if you ascended to the throne of czar of all of college football, what would you do about name, image, and likeness to try to level the playing field somehow. So right now it's as if, uh, you know, it's, it's free agency and yeah. high, high school kids are too often going to the highest bidder. Oh yeah. I, I would somehow put a cap on, cap on it. Uh, they, and then you could have maybe a one-time transfer. I heard Trent Delper the other day talking, and um, UAB got a great one. Hey, Trent's not scared. He'll tell you what he thinks now. <laughs> and, you know, schools are calling players that are on your roster. Other schools are trying to recruit them while you're, you're coaching them. Something, I don't, I really, I'm not smart enough to know exactly what needs to be done, but they're there's got to be something because uh, schools like I, I'm going to use Jacksonville State, Troy, UAB, Southern Miss. Just you can just name them forever. They don't stand a chance now. They don't have schools like that. Just don't have the money in the NIL. Um, it's Alabama, Texas, Ohio State, Southern Cal. Those schools can come in. I told Matt 
last night I think we were talking, Matt. I don't. We would have never kept Roddy White four years at UAB if, no if the portal and the NIL were going now. Somebody come along and offer him a ton of money, they'd have to go. Um. So I don't. I'm not sure what needs to be done, but good gracious, there needs to be something done about it. It's it's wild. It's like the Wild West now. Yeah. Uh, I guess they come you know if uh, if you're a high school senior and people are coming along offering you two three hundred thousand dollars and a year I mean it's you it's hard to fathom that I look back think of myself at 17 18. I would have been. I would have spent that money before you could have turned around. <laughs> <laughs> and then you the only person I know, Tuffy, the only person I know that didn't or wouldn't have done that is on the other end of this line. Lars started putting money in a four hundred one k when he was about thirteen. <laughs> um, but I'm telling you, I there there have been drinks on the house at uh, oh. where we, the sidetrack in Tuscaloosa. Matt's buying. Uh, uh, I, I would have known. <laughs> well, at one time, Tuffy, we did. <laughs> I think we did. And Tom Banks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, golly, what a great time that was. Uh, oh, let's talk fun. about that. Let's talk about the Stallions for a minute. You went to the uh-huh. reunion, which y'all were so kind to ask me to kind of emcee it, the, the dinner that night. But... The Stallions of 83 through 85, with all respect to the ones that we have now, was a lot closer to the NFL than any of the USFL teams now. And there were other USFL teams like the Generals, um, the Stars, Michigan. Uh, You guys were just a tick below NFL level because you had about, I don't know, half your roster was on the NFL. Oh, I know. Um, You start looking at, at our roster, Joe Krill. Cliff Stout. Joe was rookie of the year in the NFL. Cliff Stout had backed up Terry Bradshaw with Pittsburgh and then played when Bradshaw retired. Gosh, Jimmy Smith that was at the reunion. That's great to see Jimmy, wasn't it? Yeah, it really um, was. What a class act. Oh, no. Uh, you know, the third receiver was Swan, Stallworth, and Smitty on those Super Bowl teams at Pittsburgh. And then you, you got on the road and played Jim Kelly. Steve Young, Herschel Walker, Doug Flutie. Good night. They just keep going. Uh, those guys, Matt, was that fun? Raleigh Dodge was the best. Coach Dodge, uh, tough as nails on the field, but when you walked off, he was like like a dad, a granddad. Too. He was like your fun uncle, you know? He was, uh, Matt. Had that cigar jammed up in the corner of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> He, he'd pull out the Glenn Levitt in a heartbeat oh, um, and sing Danny Boy. Uh, uh, Lars would probably the, just uh, take it too deep a trip down memory lane. But what do you think about the USFL and the teams today, particularly emphasize the Stallions? You know, I I like what they're doing. Um, there's a guy that I wasn't real familiar with. I talked to Skip Holtz a few times about how they're doing things and Zach Woodfin that played linebacker for us at UAB is ahead of uh, their strength and conditioning program. 
for all the teams that were in Birmingham. <laughs> I talked to Zach about it. But it's it's a great to me, it's a great chance for players to make some money. Anthony Blevins that played for us at UAB has just been named head coach of the Las Vegas team in the XFL. Right. Who's telling me the XFL headquarters in Dallas? So they all the teams practice in the Dallas area all week. They for the game they get on a plane and go to whatever city, you know, Las Vegas, Charlotte, wherever they have play a game, come back to Dallas, and then they're there. January maybe through if you go all the way to the championship through May and, and they're gone and it gives now it gives guys a chance to go to NFL rosters like the quarterback with the states Magoo and, and I saw a receiver going to Cleveland that's great to me it's a chance for guys to make some money they're not getting rich but they're making some money and keeping the dream, the dream going so I enjoyed the game we went to with the stallion, the old reunion, and and you know just just see and listen to those stories, Matt. That night at that little dinner, <laughs> I, I wish I had a recorder. There were there were some great ones. <laughs> um, Tuffy, I, I want to ask you about Trent Dilfer. And uh, I know you still follow UAB very closely. Uh, how do you think he will do at, uh, at, at UAB? And, you know, some of his remarks have been very, shall we say, aggressive. And on, on, a, big, on, a, on a bigger level, uh, do you think it's possible if Trent has success at UAB and Deion Sanders has success at Colorado, could we be looking at a almost a paradigm shift in terms of where schools go to get their coaches? Uh, you know, just get get former players who are high profile, they've been in TV. Everybody, all the young kids know about them, and you know, who cares if they have much uh, head coaching experience, much less any at uh, you know the highest levels of college football? But uh, do you think that this could be the start of a trend? Uh, but yeah, let's just start with how you think uh, how you think Trent is going to do this year at UAB. I think he's going to do well. I I really do. I think he's. Uh, I've talked to some some people that some, I still keep up with a lot of the guys at Tennessee Tech when I was I worked there with Watson Brown in 2010 and 11, and a couple of guys are still on the staff there, and they recruited. Lipscomb Academy, where Trent was in Nashville, they said he's a, a brilliant offensive mind. And I've talked to, going back a few years, Jameis Winston, J-Boo, was in that, uh, Trent had that quarterback, elite quarterback camp, and he talked, uh, Jameis talked about how tough an individual Trent is. I think they're going to do well. I think it may be this year may be uh, a little rocky just getting started in the new conference, which is basically the old the old uh, conference USA back when we were in it. But I think it'll do well. And Lars, that was you know you brought up a great point there, Dion and Trent. 
those guys, uh, big names, people know them. The trick is, hey, you can be a great coach, or if you don't have any players, you're going to be in trouble. So <laughs> they got to be great recruiters. Uh, yeah, that's what uh, that's what Nick Saban always says. It's it's not the jockeys, it's the horses. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tuffy, can you can you stick around through the break and uh, and can we carry on this conversation for a few more minutes? I can, sure will. All right, awesome. We will uh, continue our discussion. We'll be right back. This is Big Noon Sports. Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility. This should get your... This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around in our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A sizzling hot afternoon. Just a small chance of any one spot getting a shower or storm through the evening hours. The high today 97, the low tonight 74. Tomorrow partially sunny with scattered showers or thunderstorms by afternoon. The high 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 96 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Larry Tuffy Crow is our yes, guest. He, I, I mentioned that uh, he not only coached all his life, but he, he played at Jacksonville. Were you a safety? Is that right? A receiver and then uh, the old rover position, yeah. which is basically a strong safety. Yeah. And then you end up coaching baseball. Sure did. <laughs> what a, that's how blessed I've been. I was coaching football for Jimmy Fuller at Jack State. Rudy Abbott was legendary baseball coach couple of national championships thousand wins just a character to be around hated to wear a uniform (laughs) he wore khaki pants and a coaching collared coaching shirt he said people he had bird legs people would make fun of it (laughs) so he he said hey Tuffy how about 1979 that I need a third base coach when you finish football spring ball I've talked to Coach Fuller can you help me? That's it. Shoot, yeah. We go to the College World Series. I'm good night. But I should sure I got coached with Rudy a couple of years, which was a uh, great man. That's, you could write a book about that one, too. Only man I've ever yeah, seen got sick. thrown out. He got thrown out of a game taking the lineup card. <laughs> <laughs> So your second year as a football coach, you go to the national championship, and your first year as a baseball coach, you go to the national. Yeah, championship. we go. I know it. How about that now? Um, talking about Jimmy Fuller, 
bit. He took over in a situation. Not many people know this now. Jack State people do, old ones. Clarky Mayfield was the head coach that hired me here. He got killed in a huge supper club fire, Memorial Day weekend, 1977, in Southgate, Kentucky. 220-something people got killed in the fire. He was up there. He was an old Kentucky, University of Kentucky player for Charlie Bradshaw. And Coach Mayfield's mom was retiring, had a big party, fire breaks out. So this is the 1st of June, basically. Coach Fuller takes over, and we play for national championship. Most most natural head coach I've ever been around. I, I've told Matt this story. And, Lord, you've been around, and both of y'all been around, Coach Fuller. Um, first staff meeting when he's named head coach, permanent head coach. He said, guys, I love every one of you, but if it comes down to me or you, I'm firing y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I, you need to know this. If you're sensitive, this is probably not the place for you. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, my goodness. You know, a lot of people listening in Tuscaloosa remember Fuller because he was such an Oh yeah, uh, such an integral part of those teams. He he played there. And then he, he was an offensive line coach for years and years and years. For, and, and, and then it, then he was, he, was uh, he, he was interim Jim because twice he was an interim head coach at Alabama, twice. but he never coached twice. the game. Yeah. yeah, he's a he's a great recruiter too. Gosh, I used to love to go recruiting with him. Get him in the home. Two of the best, or three of the best I've ever seen. Tim here, uh, here, and I'm sure it was the same at Alabama, and then at UAB with Pat Sullivan and George Pugh. You get those two in a home, and and it's basically over. (laughs) Tuffy, you know what it's like to play in an expanded playoff system. And uh, and so the college football obviously is moving toward uh, the the 12-team uh, playoffs for the uh, 2024 season. Do you like it? Uh, how taxing is it on on the student athletes? Just your your overall thoughts on on the playoff expansion and whether or not yeah. it's it's good in I, general. It's good. I like it. It's not. I've heard negative talk about oh it's hard on the players it's not you when you hit that playoff run it's like you get a second win and you're and it's true that you're in the middle of finals during uh fall you know the fall break is over and you're in the middle of finals but it you can work around all that it never affected we we were able to do it for years up here at, at Jack State and been in the playoffs, you know, every year it seems like. So, uh, and but it's great. I love it. Hey, I'm I can't wait to 2024. I want to see who all gets in there. Would you? I'm I'm curious. Just uh, what, what did you have to provide extra academic academic support for the players? Like, would you have tutors? You know, traveling with you or uh, we, was there anything did. special? We, okay. Yeah, we we made sure you always have tutors and, and but we we worked around uh you were able to work around their finals you know their 
schedule for their finals. And we may practice at 6.30 in the morning or something and just make sure everybody was, could get off the field, get you know, study and be in class for their finals. But yeah, you just make, you make do. You're going, it's, it's going to be, we, I laughed one time. I said, we, we look like, uh, I remember our, uh, when we'd play Army at UAB, they would come in and they would have a plane full of tutors. <laughs> and on Friday night at the hotel, they were studying, and it, it's like that in the playoffs too. But it's you may do, you can you can do it. Uh, I like hey. Coach, Coach Dye. When Pat Dye, I heard somebody ask him how many of his players graduated. He said all of them that want to. Yeah. So all of them that want to do well in their fi- or in their finals are going to do well. Tough. I love before, before we let you go, you have to answer the most asked question of 2023, and we know you know the answer. Who is going to end up being the starting quarterback for the Crimson Tie? I've known the Simpson boy's daddy for years. Uh, he. His daddy's a head coach at Tennessee Martin, UT Martin, who we've played every year when I was at Jack State. And he was a graduate assistant. Jason Simpson, the dad, was a graduate assistant for Watson Brown at at, uh, at um, Mississippi State with Jackie Sherrill. So I've known Jason, the daddy, for years, and I know what kind of person the boy is. And wouldn't but wouldn't surprise me a bit if. Uh, if he didn't end up being the starter. I know the the young man that played some last year and everybody was getting on him. Uh, I've heard he's having a real good summer in spring, so I, it's going to be fun. And don't, didn't they get the transfer from Michigan State? Ty, no, no, that Notre went Dame. to Auburn. Yeah. Notre Dame, Tyler Buckner is All right, Alabama. I thought... Matt, you, you'll know that Frank Novak's son, Jason, is the strength coach at, at Michigan State. And Frank was with Matt and all of us at, with the Birmingham State. So they say he is an outstanding player. But I can't wait to see who. It's like you got to wait and see when camp starts here next week who's going to take the reins. It'll be yeah. fun. Whoever it is is going to have a lot of talent around them. Though you are so right, and that's why uh, Saban's going to – one of the reasons why Saban's going to condense his offense more and go back to the – more of the three cli- three yards in a cloud of dust. Thanks, Tuffy. Yeah. Say hello to Jane. Hey. I will. She's been my best – she was my best recruiting. Hey, I thought I was a good recruiter, but I did I did well on, with that one. I was so there to to in the skybox. The day you met her. The day you sure were. The Jack State game. And I don't think y'all have been apart since then. She's a wonderful woman. Thanks, Tuffy. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Tuffy. Y'all have a good weekend. You too. That guy can spend a yard. Yeah, he can. More more people leaning towards Simpson. Yeah, uh, and I'm one of them as well. Hey, on the other side, we've got some breaking news about Justin Thomas, and it's not good. Oh, my. We'll be back with more of Big Noon Sports.
WGHD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. A Town Square Media Station. One man to beat, you can forget about it. Touchdown, Alabama. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. More Big Noon Sports coming up. And that's us. Justin Jones, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and a show presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Lars just gave one bang-up tease for a story coming out of the top of the hour here on a Friday afternoon concerning Justin Thomas. What's up? All right, so Justin Thomas did not play well at the British Open last week. He missed the cut, and he uh, immediately um, <clears throat> decided to play in the 3M tournament uh, this week and uh he struggled he struggled uh he's tied for 63rd currently he shot in his second round uh even par and he's at minus two for the week and it doesn't look like he is gonna make it to the weekend doesn't look like he's gonna make the cut and so now uh uh brooks kepka was asked if uh, he thought justin thomas would make the Ryder cup team and Kepka very pointedly said, quote, the only way JT goes to the Ryder Cup is if he buys a ticket. <laughs> it's funny, but kind of uh, cruel. Yeah. Uh, look, Justin, here's, here's the thing. Justin has been so good in Ryder Cup play. I think there's a, there, there's, so there's a valid case to be made that um, that Justin could should be on the team as a captain's pick. Uh, the captain picks the last six of the twelve golfers because of his past performance. However, his game is in absolute shambles right now. And when he has played in the Ryder Cup before, he has um, you know he, he's he's been playing much better uh, than he is right now. And, um, and, you know, I, I just, I feel bad for him because he, if you, if you look at his body language and I, and I watched a little bit of his, uh, of his round, um, he just, he looks like a golfer who is a little bit lost, a uh, little bit broken. Things aren't going his way. Um, when he missed uh, the, the cut uh, for the British Open, uh, that was his third miss major, uh, third cut he missed in a major, and and at his post round press conference, his his eyes were welling with tears when he answered questions about missing uh, the Ryder Cup, and uh, and unfortunately things have gotten even worse, you know. Uh, and I, I, but I still think that Zach Johnson, who. Um, uh, who is the U.S. Ryder Cup captain, a longtime veteran golfer. Um, he went to Drake, where my brother went to school in Iowa. I've always been a Zach Johnson fan. I think I think he should pick Justin. And, and not just because uh, Justin's my favorite player in golf right now, but just don't overthink it. Look, Justin Thomas is one of the still one of the most popular players in the United States. His game is just is off right now. There's no question, but I don't think the Americans should leave him home when they go to Rome 
and try to snap a 30-year losing streak on the road. This guy is, uh, I mean, in other sports, you call him a gamer, and that's what Justin is when he is playing for his country and when he's playing on a team. I mean, the guy is just deadly. He's ferocious. And I don't know if, you know, Matt, I I so enjoy playing uh, best ball. Right, you have a partner, or you're you're with a, a a foursome, and you're playing in a tournament, and you know you're going against other guys, and it's real camaraderie, and it's almost like uh, it's a different game when you feel like you have a teammate, when you have you know when you feel like uh, you're 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 playing for something bigger than yourself, and it tends to change your game, even on you know the the, the low level for low low level guys like me and you. And I hope that Zach Johnson still um, t- takes – it would be a gamble. There's no question. But um, I-, I, think, I think Zach Johnson should, should roll the dice because um, he's just uh, – he-, he has shown in the past that he can deliver the goods when the pressure is at its highest in the Ryder Cup. And Ryder Cup pressure is far different than even on a – um, on a major, you know, being uh, being in the lead and, and on a major on on Sunday, I think Ryder Cup is it's a whole nother level because again, you're not just playing for yourself, you're playing for your teammates and you're playing for your country. And the fact that the Americans haven't won for so long outside of the United States, uh, I just I think it would be a mistake to um, to leave. Justin back in the United States and not go take him to Rome. And also, I think it's worth noting that that Justin and Zach Johnson were um, roommates. Uh, they stayed together when they were out uh, in uh, out uh, over overseas practicing for the British Open. And then during the British Open, uh, they're good friends. The one thing that could stop this would be if Justin goes to. Uh, Zach and says, hey, you know, I want to play, but I don't want to put you in a bad situation and I'll just, I'll remove myself. JT can't putt anymore. Well, he's he, he, he can't. He, 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 he can't do it. it. Really, he's he's just, he's all, he, he's really struggling. Well, let, I, I know and understand where you feel uh, and how you feel, but I kind of got to look at it from the other side. First of all, I, do, I, I don't want to be Zach. <laughs> okay? Yeah. But if a guy just literally doesn't have his game, do you take him anyway? Is suddenly playing in, in match play or best ball, is that suddenly going to make JT better? I know this is people in Tuscaloosa probably going, Matt, come on now, he's an Alabama guy. Yeah, he is an Alabama guy. But if your goal is to put together the current best golfers to take on the Europeans, then... You're probably going to have to consider somebody else. I don't want that. Uh, But I don't think... I think this cleanly states my position is I don't think suddenly becoming a Ryder Cup member is going to get rid of his yips and his bad shots. Well, I I, I will say this. Like, if you just go back and look, Justin Thomas is the best team competitor America has had since Lanny Watkins. And what Justin does is he drives his opponents batty in match play. 
Like if he's on your squad, he is the best kind of obnoxious. Like he's one of Roy McElroy's best friends. In Ryder Cups, McElroy wants to strangle him. Because he just gets under people. And it's just, you know, just sly what little things. What specifically does he do? It, it, it's just uh, 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 the the air of confidence slash cockiness. He's like, he's the closest thing America has to uh, Sergio Garcia, right? Sergio Garcia is the best version of himself when he's playing for something bigger than himself. And I think Justin Thomas is as well. And, it, you know, it means so much to him. But at the, you're right. I mean, th- this, is a, this is a really, really tough call. And if you were going to take emotions out of it, uh, you would probably, I mean, if you're Zach Thomas, or, or uh, sorry, uh, Zach Johnson, um, you'd probably leave him off the roster. But then you look at his history, and the guy, is, his, his record is, is unbelievable. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he's just, uh, it's a tough call. It's a tough maybe, call. I, 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 I hope, the, I hope he does. I, I, I the opposite of what I'm thinking. Uh, maybe playing for his country in something larger than any golf tournament in the world to a certain extent, maybe that makes his game better. <laughs> um, yeah. but from what I've seen, he, he's just got to. A real hitch in his game right now, and like I said, Lars, I don't want to be Zach. I yeah. really don't. Isn't, I mean, isn't there a similar situation with Dustin Johnson, who's not been playing great lately, and he's he's another one of those guys that'll twist your head off and throw it in the cup in Ryder Cup play, and Zach's got to look at that because his numbers are not really good right now. So, you, you know. It's a tough call, but if I had to make it right now, I'm not sure I'd put JT on there. And that, you know what, yeah. that hurt me physically. Yeah, I spit up a little. I, I know. Um, look, JT, his timing and his tempo are off. Um, I, 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 I think he like he just needs to be more consistent. And a little bit less like uh, Tiger Woods, like because Justin is—he's an artist out on the course. He's got—he has so much creativity, and there's not a, a, a shot that he can't picture in his mind, a shot shape that he can't picture and then try it and then attempt it. But um, he's just not moving the ball the way he did in the past. And, you're, and his putting is suffering. And you know what? That's all just reflective of, of his confidence has gone down. But, again, 30 years ago, American Ryder Cup team went to Europe and won 15-13. Uh, to 13. Ever since then, they haven't been able to win overseas. But that year, 1993, when they did win, that's when Justin was born. United, we've been waiting three decades for someone to come along and help break this curse. And, you know, with Tom, Justin, you know, he's fist pumping out there, beer chugging, chest thumping energy. Like he is just an essential part of the team culture. I mean, he doesn't need to play in in five matches, but I think he needs to be part of the team. And so I would lobby that he should uh, he should he should be on it. And remember, early in his career, Justin received some criticism for saying he'd rather win a Ryder Cup than win a major. I mean, that's yeah. how important it is to him. And a lot of guys and, feel that way. 
Yeah, and so I, I just, I hope, I hope that uh, he gets a shot. I hope Zach Johnson gives him a shot, and something inside, uh, something tells me that he will. He's going to roll the dice on him, and if he struggles right out of the gate uh, over in Rome, then you kind of put him on the back burner, and you don't have to play him in as many matches as you as you normally would. Now that's logical. That's that's a very logical approach to it. Maybe. Maybe Zach's listening, Lars. Yeah, you folks are listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing. The rest of the show is, is y'all's. Uh, really like to entertain some phone calls. Anything from Alabama quarterback to Joe Burrow to NIL. It is a blank canvas for those of you listening to Big Noon Sports. Just call us 205-342-9904. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lauralee at thebamabroker.com. That's lauralee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sizzling hot afternoon, just a small chance of any one spot getting a shower or storm through the evening hours. The high today, 97, the low tonight, 74. Tomorrow, partially sunny with scattered showers or thunderstorms by afternoon. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 95 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. And thank you for listening. The gang is all here. Steve is on hold. Hang on for a second. We want to check in with our producer and co-host, Justin Jones, as we uh, wrap up a conversation about JT. Yeah, just want to get your thoughts, Justin, on whether you're a big golfer, um, whether or not you think JT should be on the Ryder Cup or not. You know, I'd I'd really like to see him. I'm like I'm in the same boat as you, Lars. He's one of my favorite golfers to watch, and especially being an Alabama guy, you root for him all the time. Um, the only thing that that makes me question it is for these fringe guys that have been battling for cuts and trying to get top ten finishes to to make that Ryder Cup team. I understand it's the captain's choice, but it's almost like it makes it makes those those guys that have been battling and, and really trying to play their best 
not that JT hasn't been trying to play his best. It's just not worked out that way. Um, kind, kind of feel uh, a little defeated, I guess. Like, it might not have been worth it. And then I'll, I'll also add, you know, we're, we're all a little down because of JT's play, but uh, Lee Hodges, uh, Alabama alumnus and, and golfer on the tour, is, is up there at, uh, at eight under, and he's about to tee off here in just a minute. So we have that, <laughs> that to be positive for uh, us Alabama golf fans. That's a good point on yeah. the Ryder Cup, no question. Hey, let's go to the phones. You can dial us on Big Noon Sports at 205-342-9904, and Steve is online from Tuscaloosa. How you doing, Steve? Gentlemen, good morning. I'm uh, on my third cup of coffee and my second piece of cold pizza, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right. Jim, I'm you're, ready to go. You're living, you're your, living the dream. Living the dream. What is your mantra? Yeah, you, did, 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 did you do anything? Do you get up after it, 11 or something like that? Was How's your life? What, what did you say well, one time? Well, it's hard to improve on perfection, and I assume that's what I have. Ah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, like you said, I'm living the dream. I don't I don't know that anybody can top me. It's tough. It would be tough to find that, that particular person. Matt, listen, uh, real quick, uh, and I'll get to my point. You can have – you have my permission to have Tom Banks on your show anytime he's great isn't he that's that's good stuff yeah, you know i, is, I go I, I go back that I, oh i go back that far and it's just just so great to hear him talk uh reminisce that's good stuff uh, but here's what i'm here's what i'm really calling about and i need your education um that i know you know more about it than i do i was listening to your uh Tuffy crow uh you know <clears throat> interview and uh, everybody keeps talking about leveling the playing field in terms of NIL. Well, I don't... How is the playing field going to ever be level? Um, power five and group of five. By definition, it's inferior talent. Well, well, I guess, maybe. But at what point... And I agree with the cap suggestions and... The, Maybe that's the way we need to go. But what am I missing here, guys? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. that. I think Tuffy made a good point uh, when you're leveling. It's not a – It's you're right. It's not going to be. And it wasn't before this either, by the way. No. But I think it's so uneven with the lower – with the UABs and the South Alabama and the Troy – that we got to do something because they are eventually just going to be a non-factor. So maybe it's not necessarily leveling it at the top. It's bringing the bottom up. That's well, that's a quick okay. thought from me. I buy that. I buy that. But, but can it ever be to the level of the top, I guess is what I'm saying. You know? Well, you know, in, in the bill that was proposed by Manchin and Tuberville, is that you couldn't transfer, you couldn't enter the transfer portal until after three years at a school unless you had a, uh, you know, a, 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 a death in the family or a special family situation or if your head coach left or if your position coach left. Um, and that makes a lot of sense to me because uh, I, I thought the Roddy White example was great. Yeah, you know, that was UAB, good. UAB yeah. goes out and they find this diamond in the rough. They develop him 
and suddenly, uh, you know, what was maybe a two or a three star player is playing at a five star level uh, by his sophomore year, say, um, and there's just no way that he would uh, remain at UAB when he has the likes of uh, Ohio State, uh, you know, USC, Alabama coming after him. And that's just not fair to UAB because UAB can't match that. What UAB has done is they are getting punished for doing such a wonderful job of developing Roddy White. And uh, and it, it's just going to... It's going to keep happening where the top teams are going to pluck off the top players yeah. from the lower teams, and that then will exacerbate the, uh, the the distance between you know the elite power five and and the non-power five. But maybe we just need to have I don't know seven you know have three have three power conferences. And that forms your, uh, you know, 64 teams or however many are going to be in these three power conferences. And then you have a level of football that's below that, right? And they compete for their own national championship. Uh, th- th- this is the sort of model that uh, our buddy Jay Barker has been arguing for for a long time. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it makes a lot of sense, and, and it feels like that's where we're going. W- would you agree with that? Well, if you're asking me, yes, I, I, I do. I do. Um, I, 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 look, and I, it's not like I don't have any. I don't have a heartbeat for the Power Five. Uh, the Power Five group of players or teams uh you know they there's talent there clearly uh, but if you put a pin to it how many transfers from the from the group of five go to the power five and make the heisman trophy list or the buckets award list or uh, and i'm sure there are and and i'm not I, I don't have a computer in front of me so i don't have the ability to pull that up but again, I just go back to the talent. It's it's. Uh, there's a guy on the radio the other day talking about the, the, the Pac-12. You know, it comes to the point where it's not administration; it's the product. And there, and then the Pac-10 is not. Oh, Pac-12 is not getting it done. So that's the power. That's the group of five that comes into play. And I, I just I, I go back to the fact: should we expect? The, the playing field to be level all across the country. Uh, I don't think. I mean, yeah, that's a that's, little lofty. Yeah, it, 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 it is. is. It, yeah, it is. But I, we've got to get a handle on this, and we talk yes, about the do. same thing, and I say the same thing over and over. Um, I am happy that they have at least gotten something on paper. Now, and Lars mentioned this, and, and he knows more about the political process than I do, but that, that thing is like a very large onion. You're going to have to keep peeling, keep peeling. Yeah. Actually, what you really do is the exact opposite. You keep adding and subtracting, and uh, you've got to mold it into something that is, um, you know, legitimately going to be effective. And that's not going to happen until we got a new president or we have the current president reelected. Because uh, they're just th- this is too hot a topic for them to touch with elections coming up. So right. the one yeah. thing that I've wondered, guys, I'm just throwing that out there for all conversation. Okay, 
and it all this stuff's going to be very difficult to monitor and i don't know who's going to monitor it but could, could as far as the nil is concerned could nil and i think this is the way it's designed only be a factor once the student's in a class okay you can't offer it up front as an incentive um, you got to figure out a way to stop people from doing that then once they're on campus, then they can use in, in its original understanding, name, image, likeness. Uh, is that the way it is now, or am I, am I living in a panacea? Lars, I'll let you answer. Uh, yeah, uh, th- th- that is not the way it is now. Um, but again, like, you know, we use all these different cliched metaphors like the genie's out of the bottle and that, how do you put it back in how do you put guardrails up how do you um uh go about sort of artificially capping what a young man or young woman in college can earn uh when the supreme court has already said that, that is unconstitutional um and you know we've had plenty of people come on our show and, and say that the, the real solution is going to be to make all student athletes uh, employees of uh, the institution uh, that they are uh, playing sports for. And again, like I, I'm no expert on that. I'm still trying to learn like exactly how that could work. Uh, but uh, there, there's just no, there's just no easy solutions here, guys. And no, there's and, not. And, and, I, there's yeah, not. and and I, uh, you know, if uh, Steve, if if you were uh, the czar of college football, what what would you do? Well, I, I guess, and, and it's gonna sound almost like a racist situation with me. I'm not racist, but I don't really know how to describe it, but you've got your power five, or yeah, you got your power five, and you got your group of five. Um, and then whatever's left, division two, division three, whatever's there, cap it at a level per group, per division. I, I, I know that's not, I know that's not even a long, that's not even a short term answer, but I don't know how else to, to go about this. You know, if if you're good enough to play at Alabama, you would be recruited to play at Alabama. If you're not, you you know, no disrespect to the Jacksonville States, to the South Alabamas, to the Kennesaw States, whatever. But if you were good enough to play at Alabama, you'd be recruited. And you wouldn't have to sign at, at a Kennesaw State or a Middle Tennessee school. Uh, and so I just think, uh, like I said, it's almost... It's, it's it's just just not good, but you got to have a cap on uh, a particular on each particular level. I, I, please correct me. Well, here's one thing um, in the genie in the bottle theory here: um, guys and athletes and women that are now currently getting their money through the deals they've already cut, they have to receive grandfathering. They have to be able to continue and and, and play out. Whatever no matter where available. they go, yes. no matter where they and, go. And then, yeah, uh, but the idea to me of making them all employees of the university, 
Um, other than that statement, I, I haven't heard anything in detail. Does that mean that a gymnast gets the same amount as a safety? Um, does somebody <laughs> on a crew team get as much as the starting quarterback? I, I don't know. While that sounds good in theory, I do not know how you implement it. And then again, no, you guys uh, can ask yeah, me. No. I really don't have a solution other than no, that. So no. it is uh, yeah. my favorite saying is pile of coat hangers because we've all been there. You get them in the yeah. closet and they all end up on your bed and they just entangle <laughs> incredibly. Every, it's, it seems like it. every single hanger is attached to another one. And it's dang, it's so frustrating to try and pull it together. And, and you got to put somebody on your payroll to clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, Man, the decision look, to allow look, this look. without any examination was just dumb. Yeah. Steve, look, if I'm, you I'm can speak, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. I got one more question for you, Steve. If you sure, can speak sure. on behalf of, like, how do you think Alabama fans feel about NIL? Do you think that they're they're okay with how things are operating right now, or do Alabama fans in general want something to be done about how things are transpiring? Well, I, I think I think most Alabama fans and 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 present company included, you, you trust Nick Saban because he understands what NIL is actually supposed to be. And I, I have zero love for Jimbo Fisher, and he is sort of a lost cause. Uh, he he does not get it. Uh, that's that's the polar opposite of what Nick Saban says, uh, but. Uh, until until Nick Saban makes a move and say, look, we got to have this, we got to have this little, you know, trust fund set aside for players that we actually run. Which I don't know that he ever. I, I don't see him actually ever doing that. I think I think he will leave the game if he is forced to go to. Let's go to the pot here and offer these guys money before they set foot on the campus. So I'm just I'm just saying I think Alabama fans understand the process of NIL and accept the fact that Nick Saban is still recruiting five stars at an incredibly high level. So oh, yeah. let him go. Let uh, him go. What, what I love uh, what I love about what Coach Saban is is recently been doing is he stopped complaining about it. And yeah, like, well, hey, you know what? And, you know and, what? Jimbo, and Jimbo, look, Jimbo Fisher has not stopped complaining. There's always an excuse with him. I'm tired of the excuses. You have paid tens of, probably tens of millions of dollars to these kids, and they're not producing. I'm sick of the excuses. Put up or shut up. And I don't know that, <laughs> that this, <laughs> I don't know that his offensive coordinator, you know, that's crap. I think he is just putting gasoline on a fire by hiring what's his name? Um, oh, Bobby Petrino. Bobby yeah, Petrino. I think he's throwing gas on the fire. With You're that. right. All right. Look, hey, listen. This is this has been really cool, guys. I know you got a lot to yeah. do. I'll, I'll cut. You loose. too. Well, but, uh, Steve I'll tell you is, what, it's uh, not going to get much you, better. Yeah, Steve, you are. Um, you're putting your putting some distance between yourself and others for our caller of the year. So uh, okay, keep, yeah, please well. keep calling back. I want your lifestyle, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks, Steve. We'll talk again soon. Uh, that was a great question about what Alabama fans uh, think about NIL. I have a, I have a reaction to that question, and also let's let's hear from a guy that really put it down at their media days. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
If you fish the front... Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. On Sirius XM, I said at the American Commerce meetings to our coaches, I didn't say much, by the way. I, didn't, I wasn't one of those new coaches who want to talk a whole lot. I did a lot of listening, but I did say this. I'm like, you know, again, I don't have problems in my building. I always only have solutions. Here's one of the solutions. Be proactive about this. Go after it. Don't be scared. Right? It's cheating. To coerce a player off a roster, whether you do it through a third person, whether you do it through an agent, a collective, no matter how you do it, it's cheating. Okay? It's against the rules. So let's go attack that. Now, if one of my players, say Jacob, after this year, All-American, says, Coach, I got to go explore what I can get in free agency. Great, Jacob. Go enter the portal. He enters the portal. Fair game. Like, yeah, recruit them, pay them, do whatever you can. But don't come in. Don't have a scouting department in your building that's doing cut-ups of my players and then going and coercing them to enter the portal when they had no idea they didn't want to enter the portal. That's the problem I'm addressing. And I'm not going to stop. I have DMs, I have WhatsApps, I have text messages, I have IP addresses, and I am doing everything in my power to make sure they know, don't screw with my roster. Now, when they're in the portal, great, do your thing. That's, that's modern-day college football. But don't you dare start using that high school. Because I know the high school coach, too, now. I was one. So you think you're so cool. Oh, let's go work through Mark Freeman at Thompson to get this guy. I know Mark. You know, let's go you, Nick, whoever at whatever school. I know that guy. So I can just call him and say, yo, did so-and-so Power 5 school call you about having so-and-so enter the portal? Yeah, I did, coach. Huh, that's interesting. Can I please have that text message? So that, that's, that's the strategy. You want to know my playbook? That's my playbook. I'm going after it. I'm attacking it. I'm being proactive about it because I can't, I can't match the money. I'm not going to go raise $16 million for a collective. But I can make you scared to death to mess with my players. Because, by the way, tomorrow afternoon I'm meeting with the NCAA head of NIL. So I'm being proactive and I'm taking these meetings and I'm working at the highest levels to make sure that you don't come toying around with my roster. Tell it like it is, Trent. That is UAB's head football coach, Trent Dilfer, at uh, the AC 
media days, and uh, he laid down the law. Will some of that be corrected, Lars, if the part of the bill that Tuberville and Manchie has put together um, that you have to be there three years before you can transfer? That'll eliminate some of that, won't it? Uh, yeah, it would. But do you and I think that that bill will ever become a reality? <laughs> I think parts of it will, but it'll be a small uh, yeah. or a much larger version of what it is right now. Yeah, that's years. Candy fingers that's, on yeah, it. yeah. I, we're years away from anything uh, from Washington uh, emerging as uh, policy or law. But hey, I love. I, I, I'm. I am liking Trent Dilfer more and more by the day. And uh, I love what he had to say. Man, he is just going scorched earth policy. You come and mess with my players, you know what? There's going to be ramifications because you got to remember, Trent Dilfer was the head of the Elite 11 quarterback competition for the last decade. You know what that means? He knows every single high-profile high school coach in America in America <laughs> and yeah. and the fact that he has been at a powerhouse high school program in Tennessee for the last few years winning state titles he really knows uh, the majority of the, uh, the, the the high school coaches in the south that produce big time talent and so if you try to do a, a back door and get access to a player by contacting his former high school coach, Trent Dilfer is going to find out about it. And if he, uh, if he learns that one of his players is leaving to go to a, um, a Power 5 school, Guess what? Trent Dilfer is just going to make a couple phone calls, and he is going to find out if there was anything nefarious going on. I mean, you and I look. We I don't even exactly know what the rules are. I uh, I know there are rules in place for what is permissible contact and what is impermissible, but uh, you know, Trent Dilfer, he is he's laying down the law, and I, I and I love it. I mean, he is. This is a guy, again, like when a lot of people think of Trent Dilfer, they think of, well, he was that quarterback for Tampa Bay who, you know, he wasn't very good and he won a Super Bowl because of, uh, not Tampa Bay, excuse me, the Baltimore Ravens because of their great defense, right? They won the Super Bowl in spite of Trent Dilfer. Well, that's not true. I mean, the guy was a, a record-setting college quarterback. He was a first-round draft pick. He dealt with a lot of adversity in his career. He played over a decade in the league, made a ton of money, and he doesn't need the money, obviously. And now he, he spent the last four years building a powerhouse high school program at, at Lipscomb Academy in Nashville. And, man, he just uh, – it's like – because he's been so successful, Matt, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's just like he doesn't care. He doesn't care what other people, other coaches think about him. He is going to be doing it his way. And if you blankety blank with him, he is going to mess you up. That is one of the that, reasons he can. That do is this. the message. That's the message he, I'm getting. 
he's set for life. He's not coaching football for the money. Yeah. He's got money. So he can be as brash as he wants to. But I want to bring up a point, as you just mentioned, his success at Lipscomb in Nashville as a high school coach. Well, we all know, but nobody ever talks about it, that even in the public system, um, there are coaches that will get a kid somehow in his school by getting an apartment in their area or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they by hook or by to, crook. Yes. Okay, but uh, don't you think Dilford did that at Lipscomb? Well, I'd... I mean, I'd I'd have to look, I don't know that he did. I'd have to look into that. I don't know. But for an academy like that to get such great football players, uh, it, it makes me wonder. I also do not know that for a fact. But I um, know. To have open enrollment in, the high school, in Nashville? Uh, I don't know. Um, I got to look. But having been in the high school circle here for the last few years, really since I was in high school, um, we know that players will suddenly end up on a roster and well okay here's an example um who's the kid that's going to be playing for buford high school next year he's a georgia commitment what's the guy's name again i'm sorry riasi um oh here's uh since fall of 2022 all school districts in tennessee have offered an open enrollment period and this means that uh, parents can send their children to any public school, regardless of where it is located. Now, is Lipscomb a public school? No, uh, I, I, I think it's a private school. And Matt, you're thinking of Dylan Rayola. Uh, Rayola, yeah, because yeah. Rayola is no longer in Phoenix. He's now in Buford, Georgia. Um, did he say he wanted to transfer there? Is it for the Georgia thing or? It's, it seemed a convenient transfer for those at the Georgia Bulldogs football level. But I've seen this for, for 30 years. You'll just suddenly notice, hey, where'd that guy come from? He wasn't on this high school roster a year ago. And, hey, gee whiz, how did he end up being the starting quarterback? Didn't that guy live 100 miles away? How did he get here? Isn't that kind of what... Uh the thought was when Rush Probst was at Hoover? Oh, yeah. But it's not just indigenous to Hoover. <laughs> right. And a lot of schools. You'd be surprised how much of that goes on at the 1, 2, 3, and 4 A level. It's uh, pretty interesting and a little scary. But the open, enroll, open enrollment, I guess that cures all ills. Uh, you might have to cross, you know, drive across town to get your kid to school That's you know i honestly had never heard of this uh until i moved uh, to the south growing up in the midwest I, it just it never was a thing you just you, you played football where you yep. where you went to school right i that's, mean it wasn't that like it was when i was in high school yeah <laughs> but now it seems to be the the norm rather than the exception uh, yeah. Hey, we're going to wrap up the Friday edition of Big Noon Sports in just a moment with a uh, very good suggestion of what you should be doing this weekend. How's that, Lars? Back well, in a minute. You tell me what I should do with my kids I'll t- when it's 107 uh, well, degrees. You know what? When, when we get back <laughs> and I tell you, uh, you'll immediately say, no, we're going to do that. But it's a good <laughs> suggestion. This is funny. We'll carry it over in a minute. Owner of r 
Cigar Cigars, The Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to r and and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sizzling hot afternoon, just a small chance of any one spot getting a shower or storm through the evening hours. The high today, 97, the low tonight, 74. Tomorrow, partially sunny with scattered showers or thunderstorms by afternoon. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 96 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Back on Big Noon Sports, it's Matt, Lars, and Justin. Lars, uh, what I was going to suggest that uh, our listeners do over the weekend, maybe this afternoon will be a good time, is drop by and see Reagan and our uh, bourbon <laughs> cigars. And then you thought, oh, good, maybe this is something I can take my yeah. children to. I'm going, nah. But I was just scrolling through his website. And first of all, it's just a wonderful atmosphere. It's a, it's yeah, a mansion. It's a, it's, it's a great place to just hang out and... Um, you know, uh, he's got really uh, like lounge chairs, and uh, he's got like recliners and leather yeah, couches. It's, yeah, it's uh, it, it's fun. Really great reading material. I mean, if you just want to go and relax somewhere and and, and have a drink and, and have a nice cigar, mm, that's your place. Talk some Alabama football. That's uh, that's what it's all about. It's right there downtown Tuscaloosa on Sixth. Um, I was just doing a little research here in the break, and I was looking up some of the stuff on Trent Dilfer. And I think there are other things that may have gotten lost uh, in his career in the NFL. I didn't know this. I'm glad to, to tell you about it. But he was, a, he was given the Bart Starr Award in 2003. Now, they don't just hand that out to anybody. You earn that by being a person of integrity. Then he also won the Steve Largent Award that year, which is very similar in, in its criteria. Uh, Sammy Ball Trophy, of course, that was actually back when he was in college. So uh, this guy is, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, he can back up what he's saying. And I think that's yeah, what he's going to and, do. And, and you mentioned... Um you know his uh, his portfolio. Uh, according to uh, Sport Track, uh, he played in his 14 NFL seasons. His career earnings, just in contract salary, 27.27 million basically. And then he spent almost a decade as an NFL analyst during ESPN's golden years, right? And I think that those 10 years at ESPN will be critical because what it coincided with those 10 years. Well, uh, young, 
young uh, young men, young boys were watching Trent Dilfer every day on ESPN. I mean, he has star power, and you can't underestimate how important that is when you are um, running a program like UAB and trying to convince a, 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 a young player to, to come with you. And... You know, uh, we were talking earlier about is, is the fact that Trent Dilfer and Deion Sanders, uh, two high-profile NFL players who did TV work um, and, uh, you know, just coached a, a little bit at lower levels, now both in uh, high, more high-profile jobs, is this going to be a trend? And, uh, and and Trent Tilfer, he, is, he said some really interesting things on this subject. He was like, you know, Marshall Falk, he would not make a great coach because uh, he said, you know, as a, even though he gained 17,000 yards from scrimmage, he didn't have, quote, the common player's experience <laughs> because he's a running back. And so and Trent went on to say, and this all makes a lot of sense. He's like, there's very distinct qualities you have to have. You have to have been a good player. You have to gone through massive adversity. Uh, you have to have then been an analyst uh, for football. You have to look at it from, you know, the, the 30,000 foot perspective. He said, you can't be that guy on TV that only talks about wide receivers. You, uh, and you, you have to talk about the whole game. You have to see the whole game. And also you need to have close connections with coaches in the game and understand the the challenges and the changing dynamics of both high school coaching and uh, in, in, in at the collegiate level. And uh, and he thinks, you know, he 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 checks the box for all of these. Right. And I, I think it gives him a huge advantage. A huge advantage, and again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know we we see some some other uh, talking heads uh, from uh, ESPN and other places uh, give it a try. Like maybe Dan Orlovsky, who is an excellent NFL analyst, Tim Hasselbeck, uh, Mark Schlereth, um, uh, Jeff Saturday, uh, the former Colts uh, line, or, uh, center. Um, that didn't work out very well last year for the Colts, no, <laughs> but uh, but you know I, I just I think there's something to it. Do, would you agree? I'll agree. I agree. Uh, you yeah. know, but is it specific to quarterbacks? Um, I, I think that be. does help because you know you really do have to know everything you're doing offensively, and you need to know everybody else's uh, role on certain on every play. Um, so I, I think that maybe it's a little like being a catcher uh, and then becoming a yeah. manager. Yeah. Uh, and then I was thinking as you were you were talking about that, I was thinking about Deion Sanders. Now you're talking about role specific. He was a corner, a shutdown corner, but he wasn't a tackler. <laughs> you know, uh, he was his he was, knowledge, he was allergic. He was allergic to tackling. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, but who was he talking about? Marshall Falk. That he was a running back and a running back, and that was it. Well, I always think of Deion as being a cornerback and cornerback. Then I went, oh, guess what, Matt? Nick Saban played cornerback. <laughs> I think, so. but I think Nick Saban still views himself as the uh, star high school quarterback. And I and I've talked to a bunch of different uh, coaches, uh, obviously about Nick Saban for all the stuff that I've written on him, and and the, the general feeling 
it's not general feeling. I'd say it's universal that Nick could have been just as good an offensive coordinator, if not better, than a defensive coordinator because he understands the quarterback position. And I think, you know, uh, to this day, he, he, he meets with his quarterbacks individually uh, in his office. I think uh, it's a normal Thursday meeting, if I'm not uh, incorrect. I, I think it's Thursday for uh, an hour, hour and a half. And, you know, he wants to know what's going on with their life off the field. Uh, he wants to know what they like about the game plan. And he just wants to know all, everything about how his quarterbacks are doing because he understands, just like we all do, it's the most important position on the team. And that's at every level, by the way. It doesn't change from 80-pound football to the National Football League. So, All right, Lars, don't take your children to R&R. Everybody else, go to R&R, okay? <laughs> but I don't know what you're going to do with your kid. You can come over here and jump in the pool, man. But, the, yeah. you know, the water's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I read, yeah. we, I know we're up against the break at the top of the hour, but I read the other day that the Gulf of Mexico's water temperature is off the charts, hot. Yeah, El Nino, or La Nina, El Nino, whatever, it's coming. Well... I'm uh, I'm staying indoors. That's that's so far my plan for the weekend. Um, thank you to Tuffy Crow. Always thank you to Justin Jones. Lars, thanks. Have a great weekend. And, uh, hey, we'll do this all over again on Monday. Stay safe, everybody.